The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to How Bitches Are Made, the podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Melvin. Thanks for joining us, guys. If this is your first listen, be sure to check out our introductory mini-sode, which gives you a brief overview of this podcast and introduces you to the cycle of how a bitch is made. If you're a returning listener, welcome back, bitch. Let's continue on our journey, shall we? With this week's story. The following is a true story, as sad as that is for me to admit. Names have been changed to protect both the innocent and the anything but. Chapter 7. Tongue-Tied and Pussy-Grabbed Sometimes life can be tough for a single girl living on her own in a big city. And by sometimes, I mean usually almost always. That's why it's extremely important to surround yourself with great friends who love and support you, who show up and stick by you in good times and bad. Especially once you've been pussy-grabbed. My friend Lillian and I started taking road trips together after the majority of our friends started tying the knot in the tiny shoelaces that inevitably follow. It was our way of embracing our independence, rather than yielding to society's insistence we feel defeated by it. Since past a certain age, singleness is seemingly something we should all wallow in. And by all, I mean females. We had since road tripped across Washington, Oregon, California, and Georgia. And on December 31st, 2017, we found ourselves in Arizona. We were on our way back from New Mexico and decided to break up the drive by staying overnight in Tucson. Neither of us had ever been, despite the fact I grew up less than two hours away, and we figured it'd be a safe enough place to ring in the new year. After checking into our boutique hotel and finding the concierge was too young to recommend any bars, Lillian put her Yelp skills to use and procured a plan for the evening. We subsequently got ourselves ready in the bathroom mirror and even documented the riveting entertainment on Instagram so everyone could enjoy our curling irons as microphones lip sync performance to Celine Dion. The little bit of silliness kept us feeling young, which may have been what triggered the following thought. I'm sure everything's gonna be fine tonight, but um, let's just talk strategy for a second. Okay. I don't know if you know this, but Tucson is like the college town. Okay, what do you mean by that? I mean, we need to keep our eyes and hands on our drinks at all times, no matter what. Okay, if one of us sets it down, we go get another. No splitting up, no going home separately. We stick together, no matter what. The truth was, I had never been to college, so my knowledge about the culture surrounding it was limited to movies like Old School and documentaries like The Hunting Ground. And despite the fact she'd never formally confirmed it, I had reasons to suspect my friend Cassie had been date-raped while visiting the very campus we were in the midst of. It was the only explanation I ever saw for her otherwise irrational disdain towards Tucson and going ballistic if either the city or Arizona itself were so much as mentioned. While I did feel it was in our best interest to have our guard up, I wasn't necessarily worried either. We were intelligent career women in our 30s, living in one of the most arguably dangerous cities in the country. And whatever had happened to Cassie did so nearly 15 years prior. 
Good God, I can't believe I'm old enough for that to not be an exaggeration. Oh, we should probably have a hard out time to avoid surge pricing. What time do you want to head back here tonight? Like 12.15, 12.30? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, cool. Give me your cards and stuff. I'll just keep everything in one place because it's easier to keep track of. I handed over my ID, credit card, and cell phone for Lillian to put inside her purse before we hopped into an Uber and headed downtown. The streets were just as packed as the bars, and by the time we found our way inside of one, it seemed unlikely we'd get a drink at all. After about 30 minutes of persistence, though, Lillian had managed to snag us both two drinks each. Here, we're double fisting. I'm not waiting in that line again. I didn't want to admit to Lillian that was music to my ears, especially when whatever was coming out of the speakers in that bar was anything but. The truth is, I've sort of been a grandma since high school. My FOMO has always been linked to productivity and sleep, rather than social interactions and experiences. I've just always been waiting for either the rest of my peers to catch up, or for an age when it was socially acceptable to admit to feeling this way. With our drinks in hands, we shuffled our way through the crowd, finding a place in the back corner of the room where we could wait for the ball to drop. Only, that's when we realized there was no ball to reference. How do they not have the TVs on? Yeah, how the hell are we supposed to know when it's midnight? Especially with our hands occupied. I can't pull out my phone. Hey, would you guys mind taking a picture of us? Yeah, sure. I got a free hand. <laughs> Sorry. Here, I got it. One, two, three. All right, I took a bunch. See if you like any of them. I handed Lillian back her drink while the guy and his friends scanned through their photos. They were a group of six, four guys, two girls, two couples, all professional types our age. They silently judged Lillian's skills as a photographer before approving of their individual faces for posting purposes. Derek, you're blinking. In like every single one. Could you take another? Are you fucking kidding me? Don't blink, Blinks McGee. Ugh. Lillian is the oldest to two brothers, which is why it has become a habit of hers to talk to nearly every man with the same level of brazen authority. It's something I've always admired about her, actually. Whether she was talking to my dad, her boss, a guy she liked, or some stranger she just met in a bar. She never thought twice when it came to calling someone on their shit or putting them in their place, which is why her reaction to the events that followed shocked me even more than the actual event itself, if possible. Roughly 10 minutes after this exchange and five minutes after midnight, Derek and his friend Brian had left the couples in their group to chat up Lillian and me instead. When they asked about our decision to spend New Year's Eve in Tucson, we told them about the 12-hour road trip we'd set out on just one night prior. To be honest, we love impressing people with our ambitious itineraries, especially guys. I guess it just sort of feels like our way of separating ourselves from the common girl who spends time with her friends at malls or over brunch instead of chasing waterfalls and natural wonders in the next state over like us. I know that's kind of catty, but let's be real. In a social media-driven society that breeds comparativeness, it's just our small way of trying to feel superior when really we feel anything but. When Brian offered to get us another drink so we could continue to get to know each other, I politely declined. After all, it was already 12.10, and in our modern Cinderella story, we only had five more minutes before our Uber turned into an overpriced pumpkin. Sure, I'll do another. I shot Lillian a look. Did she not remember our self-imposed curfew? Whatever, we're in Tucson. Ubers aren't going to be that expensive if we wait another half hour. You mean hour? It's going to take at least 30 minutes to get another drink. Uh, not anymore. Everyone bar hops after the ball drops. See? Already clearing out. Fine. 
But go with him to the bar. We don't know these guys. Okay, Mom. While Lillian joined Brian at the bar, I tried to pass the time by getting to know Derek a little better. Though originally from Tucson, he was currently living in D.C., where he worked for the country's immigration department. A fact I found rather amusing, considering Derek himself is Mexican and our president is Donald Trump. After some playful and albeit flirtatious banter surrounding that hot topic, I informed Derek of my own upbringing in Arizona before leaving it behind to pursue an equally cliche and sometimes equally ironic career in Los Angeles. By the time Lillian and Brian returned, I was actually starting to enjoy myself. Derek and I had discovered we had a decent amount in common, including the fact we'd both grown up with live-in grandmas, and we bonded over our shared love of and longing for the desert we'd both left, coincidentally, around the same time as well. It was nice talking to someone who seemed to have their shit together, who had a job that didn't revolve around playing pretend, and who for a 30-something actually seemed like a 30-something. I had to admit, maybe there was more to miss out on than sleep. Oh, man, no. Kobe is the worst. Uh, you mean LeBron? How many have you had? Oh, God, no. You got Brian talking about basketball? He gets such a boner for anything sports-related. Don't worry, Brian. I'm the same way whenever anyone mentions Taylor Swift. That's when, from out of nowhere, I felt Derek's hand grab my pubic mound. I use that term because it's both anatomically accurate and cringeworthy, and I want you to experience even just a fraction of what I did in that precise moment when a stranger's hand lingered in silence on top of my vagina. That's weird. I don't feel a penis. It was like he wanted to confirm by narrating his gesture that my body was in fact registering its senses correctly. I stood there, stunned, frozen. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What made the situation even more fucked up, in that initial moment anyway, was that for a second, it actually felt acceptable. An excuse that can only be blamed on the combination of his casual confidence and my unique profession. With most love scenes coincidentally shooting the first week of production, your co-stars themselves tend to be virtual strangers. That's why, as an actor, you have to learn to get comfortable with giving people you hardly know the permission to touch your body in order to effectively convey them having done it for years. And with Derek's casual and comfortable demeanor, the whole situation felt familiar to me at first. But as I began to process the facts, the more reality set in. This wasn't a fucking movie. We weren't in a fucking scene. This guy wasn't even a fucking actor. He wasn't even a fucking friend. And to that point, none of my fucking friends, including ones I've actually fucked, who were even fucking actors themselves, would have so much as attempted to do such a horrible fucking thing. Because that's not something you do. Ever. And with that realization beginning to supersede any sense memory, I attempted to address it. Um, did, did you just pussy grab me? I don't know. Did I? I mean... It was more of a poke than a grab, but yeah, you just pussy-poked me. Uh-oh. Is this like a Harvey Weinstead thing? It's Weinstein, and... Hey, you guys, uh, table just opened up. You wanna grab it? 
The three of them, seemingly unaffected, beelined for the corner table and set their drinks down. I trailed behind, still trying to regain my balance. So what are you girls doing, Ellie? I design clothes and Rachel's in the entertainment industry. What are you, like a PA or a stand-in or something? It wasn't the insult that sent me over the edge. The whole situation had just finally caught up to me. I immediately pulled Lillian to the side, her ignorance to the whole matter firing me up even more. I want to leave. Okay, we don't have to talk about work. It's not about work. It's about the fact that some guy I don't know just grabbed my vagina and no one other than me seems to think that there's anything wrong with that. I just want to get out of here. We said we were leaving at 12.15. It's already 1. All right, fine. She opened up her purse and handed me my phone, then my ID, then my credit card. And then, the room key. What's this? You said you wanted to go. You're not coming with? It's still kind of early. I'm not that tired. She stared at me, stoic. I wasn't sure what the fuck was going on, but for someone who'd only had two drinks over the span of two hours, I was beginning to feel like I'd had 20. In an attempt to distract her from the muscles in my face contorting and giving away my emotions, I looked down at my phone and pulled open the Uber app. The pricing only further pissed me off. $65? Okay, did you check pool? Yeah, it was 45 Ugh. Looks like you're staying. I have to take a walk. Okay, are you coming back? I don't know right now. Well, do you want to say goodbye to the guys, or do you want to just... You want me to do it for you? I don't feel the need to say goodbye to my sexual offender, thank you. And you don't need to say it for me either. What you can say is why I left. Because he grabbed my vagina. That shit may fly in Washington, but it doesn't fucking fly with me. But the sobering, cold, hard truth was that it had. Because I waited too long to be bothered by it, and because nobody else was. Welcome back, guys, to Episode 7, Tongue-Tied and Pussy-Grabbed. We've talked a lot this season about the fundamentals of how a bitch is made, the cycle, how important it is to implement standards and boundaries, the power that comes from knowing yourself and the woman you want to be, and how to effectively use your voice to become her. The story this week is similar to episode four in that it proves it's not as easy as it might seem to be the bitch that we want to be, even in the most justified of situations. The first thing that I want to point out about this experience is how I didn't use my voice right away. We have talked in last episode and the one before about the importance of doing that and why that is. You know, it helps us avoid building resentment and then having a exposed nerve or a trigger and then reacting emotionally. Now, in episode four, we also talked about how important it is to protect yourself. And as you might recall, I mentioned you're not always able to do that if you haven't found yourself in a particular situation yet to even know that that's necessary. That's the ultimate lesson that I took away from this particular event at the bar. Now, the universe is going to continue to teach you the same lesson until you learn it. Now, we saw that play out in episode five with my whole oven debacle. So even though I had initially been introduced to the concept of this lesson in episode four when I was on that set, clearly I didn't learn it because as we saw from this story here today, when this person grabbed me inappropriately, I still didn't speak up right away. This was, once again, the perfect opportunity for me to be a bitch, and I wasn't. Let's look at why. 
Obviously, at first, as I mentioned in the story, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that because I kind of have this weird profession where it did feel oddly familiar to me at first. And it wasn't until my brain started kind of going over the facts of what had happened that I realized, oh shit, this was really inappropriate and wrong. Now, one of the other mistakes that I made was how I chose to address it when I did, because I didn't know how to address it. It was totally fucking awkward. And my way of going about it, as it is in most awkward situations, is to use humor. So I had said to him, you know, made this joke about pussy grabbing me. And then I was like, well, you you pussy poked me. Haha, <laughs> that was funny. But it downplayed the seriousness of what he did. The other thing I had going through my head was this was a stranger that I didn't want to offend or be rude to, even though he clearly didn't give a fuck about doing that to me. This goes back to what we've been saying the whole season, which is what's been ingrained in us since we were little girls, put other people's comfort level above our own. And that's exactly what I did. That's my default programming. The other aspect was that I kind of thought someone would come to my aid and defend my honor. Now, the mistake with that is it instilled expectation. And that's what ultimately ended up creating this friction then between me and my friend. I expected Lillian to stand up for me and say something, and she didn't. Why didn't she? Well, she had never found herself in this situation either. I'm sure she didn't know how to fucking handle it herself. Now, the thing that I always think is really interesting, particularly when I'm recalling this story, is that it's a lot easier to be a bitch when you're defending someone else's honor than it is yourself. And that's because of the bitch stigma, the bad bitch stigma. If you are standing up for a friend, no one thinks of you as a bitch. They're like, she's a badass who cares about her friend. That was fucking chivalrous and cool. Whereas when you tend to stand up for yourself, it's what a bitch. I can't believe she just did that. So I think a lot of times as girls, we feel more comfortable coming to our friend's defense or honor or aid than we do ourselves. At least that's what I learned about myself because I had played this situation back in my head and I thought, you know, thinking about how Lillian didn't come to my aid, I thought, fuck, if that guy had done that to her, I would have done X, Y, and Z. But then I thought about it, like, why didn't I do X, Y, and Z anyway? And then that was the conclusion that I came up to, that it's just it's more chivalrous and honorable to defend someone else's honor than your own when you're a woman, especially. We mentioned in an earlier episode the aspect of flight, fight or freeze. And in this situation, I was surprised by my own actions. You know, I kind of hung in there for probably a good 15, 20 minutes after this happened, just absorbing things and letting the reality sink in and marinate and realizing that I was really bothered and I was really uncomfortable and I could feel the anger building and I thought I'm in a fucking erupt I need to leave. I think that that's my go-to when I start to feel like my emotions are going to get bigger than me I jet which is ultimately what I did. I was so overwhelmed I had to leave and once I left the bar I immediately called my mom to unload. I was so pissed off And what she told me to do was call the cops. And this is such an interesting aspect of this story because I think a lot of women will relate to what I'm about to say. And I think a lot of men and women will learn from what I'm about to say. She told me to call the cops. And my reaction to her was, why? What was I going to say to them? This guy just touched me inappropriately at a bar? 
It's not like he tried to rape me. It's not like he drugged me. Like, what is a cop going to do? Alerting the authorities just never fucking was on my radar. I, I, Why would it be? It just literally made no sense. So when my mom said this to me, she was like, you should report it. I literally didn't understand why. And I think a lot of women don't report things because it either doesn't occur to them or they're like, what's the point? Or they think like the situation wasn't bad enough to report. It's not worth the cop's time. I don't know. But what was funny was after I hung up with my mom, I went on Twitter and I made a joke. I continued to try to like make myself feel better with comedy. And I said something to the effect of, I'm in Mountain Standard Time and bad news for everyone on PST. It's 2018 and things still aren't any better for women. I just got pussy poked. And I thought it was really funny. This was I'm talking this was like months, maybe weeks after the Trump thing had even happened. It was so fresh. So which, by the way, I was on set for that happened to one of our actresses on Days of Our Lives. And I was on set. I remember him coming to set that day. So this also kind of had I had like a personal connection to it on, on another level as well. But the backlash that I got on Twitter from that tweet was I couldn't fucking believe it. There were guys like, yeah, right. If that happened, you'd be calling the cops, not tweeting about it. Oh, really, jackass? Is that what I'd be doing? Because guess what? It did fucking happen. And this is what I'm doing. And now on this podcast, I'm telling you why I did it. Hopefully that sheds some light on like the perspective of a victim and what goes through your head and more importantly, what doesn't. But that doesn't mean... It didn't happen. And I go back to why it's so important to say something right the fuck away. Because for some reason, when you're a woman, if you sit on anything, it starts to diminish and chip away at your credibility, which is fucking ridiculous. Mostly after I left the bar, I was just feeling, aside from violated, really, really hurt by my friend. This is something I've briefly mentioned before, but female heartbreak is the worst kind of heartbreak. I'm not sure why. I think maybe because it's so hard to find good female friends. And then when you do and it feels like they hurt or betray you, it just, it sucks. It really just sucks. There's no other way to describe it. But I went back to the hotel room that night and I was also worried about her. I mean, I left her with these two guys we didn't know after having our pregame talk before leaving. I, for all intents and purposes, understood that I had another friend who had gotten date raped here. And I was like a worried mother that couldn't go to bed. I was up by my phone all night making sure that she was okay. And she ended up not coming back to the hotel room until like three or four in the morning. And I just remember this heavy tension lingering in the air between us. She and I had never fought before. This was the first time ever. And I think we were both weird about it because we were both shaken and rattled and didn't really know how to handle it. I just felt betrayed that she stayed out with the enemy. And then she later told me that, you know, they had talked about it when I left. And she kind of said to him, what you did was really inappropriate. And, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And it was fucked up and yada, yada, yada. And she did defend my honor. I just wasn't there to witness it. And this was something we had a long drive back to Los Angeles the next day in the car, and and we did talk about it in depth. And to be honest, I'm not sure if she even knows this, but I questioned the nature of our friendship at that point. I was like, okay, how do I categorize her in my life now? I don't feel like I can be vulnerable around her. And what's really interesting is in an odd way, this shared experience made her more vulnerable, and it deepened our friendship. 
We never talked about it past that day, but something definitely changed. There was a shift in us going from, again, girls to women and realizing the realness of the world and the shit that we were going to have to endure the older we got and the more involved we got in the politics of the world and society, unfortunately. The takeaway from the episode is really this. This is kind of unique. Since this happened, I've kind of really paid attention to what happens on my New Year's Eves. Um, this year, the message that I got from the universe was, you really need to protect yourself. And I can safely say that looking back at all of 2018, that's exactly what I did. Now this year, for 2019, I got a speeding ticket on New Year's Day. And my message this year that I derived from that was, you need to slow down. And I can honestly say that that has been the ongoing theme so far. Now we're in June or July. <laughs> June or July. We're in July. I know what month it is. Um it's like a cool new thing I do. I always kind of pay attention to the message that the universe gives me on New Year's Eve. And for 2018, it was definitely to protect yourself. We have to speak up or these situations will keep happening, not just to us until we learn the lesson, but they will keep happening to other women. This goes back to what we talked about last episode. We have to start holding men accountable for their actions in order for them to relearn how they have to behave in today's modern times, not just for our benefit, it, but our entire sex's benefit. If it's happening to us, it's happening to other women. And if this guy's doing it to me, he's doing it to other women until he knows that he can't do that shit anymore. Because they will continue to get away with things if they can or if they're unaware and oblivious. Is it possible that these guys really don't know what they're doing is wrong? I mean, maybe with Donald Trump as our president? With the way that boys have been raised since they were little? Perhaps. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and do what's within my power to help make a better positive change. So that's it for this week of How Bitches Are Made. But be sure to join us next week because we're going to take a look at the power of speaking up right away and the positive effects it can have on not only your life and journey, but on everyone else's as well. If you can't wait for a new episode, you can always stay up to date and in the know by following us on Facebook and Instagram at HowBitchesAreMade and on Twitter at HabamTweets. You can also follow me on my personal account at TheRachelMelvin on all platforms. Please join our community of bitches on HowBitchesAreMade.com as well. We've got blogs that don't make it on the podcast, transcripts from previous episodes, and so much more. If you like our podcast, be sure to let us know by liking, subscribing, and referring other fellow bitches you think would love to listen to. Thank you guys so much. And remember, consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin. 